This guy is a wrecking machine. Now, it's time for Rocky to face the challenge of his life. For the first time in my life, I'm afraid. It's time for new allies, new enemies, new dreams, new tears, new danger, new courage, new love, new excitement. It's time for Rocky Three, Rated PG. Now playing at specially selected theaters. And now it's time for Rocky 3, our Rocky podcast. Uh, Rocky 3, the Eye of the Tiger. Bringing back Doolin for the third one. How's it going? Hey, you know, last time when we were finishing up, we kind of spoke about how they'd sort of told the underdog the champion story at this point over the first two films. And, you know, to keep things going, they needed to find a new direction. And they did that for these... Uh, next two films like really stacking the deck against Rocky in terms of his opponents it's about um, Rocky having to overcome the odds against these you know big mo- monster foes uh, that he's totally outmatched against um, it's a little bit more cartoony uh, you know I think there are people who liked Rocky as a quite earnest boxing picture who maybe saw this as a jump off point for them but there's also a lot of people who love this version of Rocky. And if you um, you accept that it is just a different direction, uh, it's a really fun ride to go on. Um, you know, and I think a lot of what people associate with being classic Rocky comes from this film. You know, you think of the Rocky statue, you think about training with Apollo. And as you mentioned, uh, the, of course, the Eye of the Tiger. When we, uh, when myself and yourself talk about the Rocky music, we're probably talking about going to fly now or going to distance. But... I think for a lot of people, if they say, oh, you know, he walked out to the Rocky music or they played the Rocky music at a match, what they're actually talking about is the Eye of the Tiger. So this film had just a huge lasting pop culture imprint. And, you know, we've talked also in the first two episodes about how these films have kind of been a little bit biographical for Stallone. And you see that again in this case, um, we see Rocky is struggling to come to terms with, you know, being successful. Maybe it's something he's not used to and he's having to turn into something that, you know, he's not. Um, I think Stallone himself said something along the lines of, you know, he shot this this film to look uh, as though it was almost um, like, like it was through the, lens, the paparazzi's lens, like it was kind of in face of in uh, Rocky and Adrian's face, you know, and I think that's kind of a big, big part of this, you know, Rocky or Stallone himself dealing with, you know, being this huge celebrity at this point. And, you know, you may also, he may also have been feeling the heat a little bit in that, you know, there's expectation with that. Um, I think he's had two films between Rocky 2 and Rocky 3, um, Nighthawks and Escape to Victory and I don't think either were really a smash hit success so maybe he felt you know the pressure was on him to produce produce the goods and maybe that's the reason why he came back to Rocky at this point Have you seen the soccer film any time in recent? Uh, no <laughs> the, That soccer film I remember okay so this is this is why this is kind of why Rocky 3 is the most memorable Rocky to me is because I am you know, young, but I am at that stage of my life where 
I really remember things and I remember <clears throat> like the, the, the things that mattered, you know, to me as a kid. And so I think I've mentioned this story before, but back in the day of early, early HBO, they would run the same movies during the day over and over and over and over. Like there's a, there's a movie with Kenny Rogers where he plays a race car driver called six pack. I must've seen that movie like 10 times one summer um, victory, uh, similarly, but there, there are certain scenes in victory that are, were really intense that I was kind of afraid of this movie as well. I was literally afraid of the scene, uh, in the locker room, which we'll talk about as we, as we go through, but of, of, uh, Clubber Lang in the locker room, getting really mad at the, uh, the media who's taking pictures and they want to get his, 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 uh, quotes before the fight. And he's getting really mad. And I remember being like viscerally just scared of, of that moment. So like my, a lot of what shapes what you're kind of saying, my Rocky fandom from the beginning is through this film. Now, as I, as I would get older, I would go backwards and, and really understand the whole story and, and under, and really, you know, the, I still think the first film is, is the best one. But if you say, what is your favorite film? Which one have you seen the most times? It's this one. And it's, it's part of it is because of the time and the place. And, you know, when cable really hits, starts, starts to get on a roll, this movie is like a big part of that. Uh, very similarly, uh, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, same thing. Like people my age, those are the go-to movies because we would see them so many times growing up as as, as young people. But um, you know, just just this time, he he is a he is a movie star now, and it, it's very interesting. You mentioned the paparazzi thing because um, he did shoot a lot of uh, a lot of footage that you know, is, is really kind of like, I don't know what he ever meant to do with it, but a lot of it is like behind the scenes. Like you see lots of the, the fight sequences and he's explaining things. And so that stuff is out there. I, I wonder if he would actually ever release it like from a vault or something. Cause I know I see some of it on YouTube, but a lot of it is like, like there's no, uh, there's no volume to it. It's like silent movie stuff, but that, that, that stuff is interesting. Cause he is, he, he does take, his celebrity goes to a next level after, you know, Rocky II. Um, and then after this movie, he starts to become, uh, you know, the, the, the Rambo brand as well. And so just a different Sylvester Stallone, which portrays uh, a different Rocky Balboa in this movie because it is, it is a little bit to life. The Rocky character, after beating Apollo Creed, takes on a much different form and, um, you know, and, and his body, like, like Sylvester Stallone's body, you know, we, we can say what we want about what he was actually taking, uh, back then. But, you know, when you, when you look from Rocky one, you look at Rocky two and you go, oh, wow. Like he's actually, you know, he, he's getting bigger. Like you can see the, the muscularness and then fast forward to Rocky three, which is only three years later. And he, he looks like a completely different human being. Oh, he's he's cut cut to bits. Um, you know, I I don't know. He, he might be sub one hundred and fifty pounds. Even you know, he's he's the most ripped you, you you'll ever see him. All right, so let's. Uh, so the way that we do this, uh, if if you've heard the first two episodes, we break it down by going over the story. We talk about our favorite scenes and our favorite quotes. We talk about the training montages and the fight scenes because those are such a big part of what makes Rocky Rocky. 
And then uh, I'll ask doing some questions. He'll ask me some questions just about the film. We'll go over kind of the the internet facts. And then um, we'll finish off with a couple of pet peeves. And then we'll talk about our MVP of the movie. So this this story is actually fairly simple. Um, but it's... Uh, <laughs> It, it, it is, it, it's such a fast forward. Like if you think of the first two films, they are technically set in the same year, even though they are three years apart in, in real life. This film supposedly is supposed to only be three years after the second fight, which would make it 1979, maybe close to 1980. But because of that time frame, um, it is actually 1982. Now there may have been some some timeline issues there. Uh, I know there's a marquee on one of the fights that does say that it's 1982. So who who knows exactly what the expected time frame is supposed to be? But in these last few years, Rocky has gone from not being able to read cue cards to being a a uh, commercial machine. He is he is an advertising machine for all kinds of different companies. He's very cleaned up. Even Paulie says, you know, you clean it, you cleaned up yourself as if that makes you better than me. But he looks like a much different person. And so you go from the underdog, the 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 puncher from Philadelphia to the heavyweight champion of the world. And with that comes nice clothes and the cars and the money and the house. And that also is kind of what Sylvester Stallone is at that point too. Uh, and so the, I thought that was, that's a, a very nice parallel from the Rocky character to the Sylvester Stallone human being, because it seems genuine. It, it seems like he is fully comfortable as he was fully comfortable in the, in the uh, character of Rocky Balboa from the first two films, he is absolutely comfortable in this new Rocky Balboa character, handsome and charming and all of a sudden very romantic as well. Like he just is the total package now. Yeah, I think, you know, something this film does quite well is just kind of injecting taste into the story. We talked about it last time. It's kind of very like a very long recap of the film before. And, you know, then they kind of jumped from think from from story to story to story in that early going in this one what they did is there's a very short recap you really only only get what you need to know from rocky 2 and then it's straight into a montage which takes you through those next three years it's the eye of the tiger montage and it shows you all rocky's championship defenses and um, you see him having these 10 defenses and i think what it does very well is firstly like it moves you it, it moves you through the story um and allows that breathing space you know for Rocky to to ch to change as a person, you know, uh, within those within that one video package, you move through three years of his life, and um, which is something that Rocky Two didn't really have. And the other thing I think it d does very well is it gradually just feeds you more and more about who Clubber Lang is. Like initially, you just see him before you've even been introduced to him as a fighter or as a boxer. You just see him watching Rocky's fights. And then gradually you see, you know, the, pr the headlines about him. You see him knocking people out. And, you know, in that first opening montage, within the first, like, you know, seven, eight 
minutes of the movie they've really set up the premise of what what the story is you know rocky's winding down his career there's this dangerous guy on on the way up and you know you know they're they're destined to meet i think like i think that the way they told that was really really well done in a very like you know simple short video package Um, and as you said yeah rocky's you know turned into a very different person with the success he's uh he's kind of something of uh, it becomes something of a, a bit of a corporate hack, you know. Yeah. He's 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 more of a brand than a fighter, um, and you know, and that 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 that's part of it too. You're you're kind of looking at it and 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 wondering, you know, is his mind still in the box, boxing game? Yeah. So uh, after that montage, uh, we see Pauly walking into an arcade. That that dates the movie big time seeing an actual arcade uh and uh, he sees a rocky pinball machine i don't know how he's able to uh walk with a bottle of whiskey literally in his hands but uh he throws the bottle of whiskey cr- kills this rocky pinball machine goes to jail rocky bails him out and he you could so there's a there's a sense of that you know polly is the, they're using the polly character to basically say you know cuz in in the original rocky they are almost equals and now you see the distance between the two the two guys just based on rocky's success uh so rocky is very smooth and buttoned up and like you said like a corporate uh champion um and he has a match uh for charity with uh, thunderlips the ultimate male played by one uh hulk hogan and we'll talk about that story of how Hogan gets involved in this movie uh, later in, in this show. They have their match, and it sets up uh, the possibility of uh, Rocky retiring. He gets a statue um, at a press conference, and he's about to announce his retirement. Like you said, Clubber Lang, who has been coming up and, and placing himself as the number one contender, wants the fight and the way that he gets the fight is to really challenge Rocky's manhood including uh taking uh t- saying some choice words to Rocky's wife which was uh, not very respectful and uh rumor has it that his his mom when his mom first saw the film she was very disgusted with with those lines uh at Adrian and so uh Mickey doesn't want Rocky to take this fight cuz he sees Clubber Lang as an absolute killer and he doesn't want Rocky to take it. Rocky's frustrated. Rocky talks Mick in, in you know, we'll talk about this in, in some of our, in our favorite scene segment, but Rocky talks to Mick, gets Mick to do it one last time. Let's do this one last time, the two of us, and then we'll ride off in the sunset. They train for the fight. Um, the... Uh, there's a little bit of a spat in, in in the locker room for the fight. You see Rocky and and Mr. T that they their their uh, teams are kind of converging in, in the back before the fight starts. A little bit of a fracas. Uh, Mr. T shoves Mickey out of the way. Mickey uh, gets uh, I I don't actually know what happened. I'm assuming a heart attack or something. But he had been in in a little bit of a of pain from the. The, the Thunderlips uh, wrestling match as well. He, the, there was a little bit of foreshadowing there where he, he had some struggles. So um, Rocky is all set against the title defense. He can't do it without his manager. And Mickey is so frustrated with Rocky because he just is like, look, how can you not be prepared for this moment 
if if I haven't, you know, taught you anything, it is to be prepared for stuff like this. And so Rocky goes out n- into the fight, really frustrated. Just does not- exactly, exactly what Mick told him not to do. Right, right. Yeah, because the whole thing was to to tire this this young fighter out. He's never been fifteen rounds before, but Rocky is depressed he doesn't know what to do apollo creed is there he's introduced in front of the crowd and uh, clubber lang disrespects apollo creed so apollo creed's really rooting for rocky here i like the way that kind of um is uh, is mirrored from joe frazier being introduced in the in the first one before apollo and rocky's match it's kind of oh yeah uh, them mixing you know their their reality with you know with, with boxing history it's like uh, apollo is kind of filling in jo- joe's role as you know the elder statesman of the sport. Yeah, no, that that was a really cool moment. And so then um, Rocky goes out and he tries to take Clubber Lang's head off, just hook after hook after hook. And eventually the young challenger just destroys him. And Rocky is fighting both uh, his worry, he being worried about Mick and this guy who he just seems unstoppable, fights over, he loses championship. Goes back. Mick is uh, not doing well. They, um, uh, Rocky's trying to explain to Mick what happened, and he leads Mick to believe that he actually won the fight. Mick passes away, and the rest of the movie is about Apollo trying to help Rocky get his uh, fighter's instinct back, which he calls the Eye of the Tiger. And Rocky... Uh, he he communicates to his wife that his heart's not in it for any other reason than the fact that he's really scared of of Clubber Lang. So the second half of the movie is is about his redemption, his redemption from losing the title, from being uh, scared of this up and comer, and Apollo teaches him a little bit of his style of boxing, how he was trained, how he was brought up in the business to uh, to give the 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 slugger clubber lang a different version of rocky for this second fight there's a nice piece of uh of throwback or callback to the first fight where apollo gives rocky his trunks from the first fight so that uh so that rocky can sort of feel still connected to that old that that first fight that old match apollo does this solely on the guys that Rocky owes him a favor. Rocky goes out, he beats Clubber Lang in the second fight. And then at the end of the movie, what Apollo's favor was, was that he and Rocky were going to to have a little bit of a sparring match in the back, though no headgear. I was very disappointed in the no headgear. All right, let's take a quick break from the Rocky 3 podcast. And let's talk about Bet Online. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. And there's no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on the action for this week's UFC or check out odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and Premier League. I wonder what the odds would have been for Balboa Lang, too. Can't wait for your team to come back? Bet Online has future odds, including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or check out daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet Online, your online wagering experts. And back to 
doing and myself finishing the Rocky Three podcast. Now uh, we will dig into it with some of our favorite scenes. And I will preface this by saying this is not a heavy dialogue movie like the first two films. Like the, the first two films had long, drawn out scenes with Rocky and Adrian, with Rocky and Polly. And this one is is much short. The scenes are shorter. The dialogue is shorter. It's much more about sort of punchy punchlines and less about, you know, letting uh, a scene kind of just go. So my favorite scenes, and and as we get to favorite quotes, I, I, I can't say that there's a ton of them because, you know, there's also lots of fighting in this movie. So if we take out the fighting, because we will talk about that in the, the fourth segment, what you're you're really stripped down is to a handful of scenes that I thought were were actually really good, and I'll open with um, the open, like you said, the montage. The montage is not really a scene in of the way that we've sort of described these things uh, in in the first two shows, but it is like a really good piece of I don't know what it is, eight minutes or whatever of just fast forwarding that story, like you said, and bringing us to what the time is. And it does a really good job of that. Um, when, when I was younger, what I used to get a kick out of is where you could see where Rocky looked more like he did in Rocky one and two versus he does now. Cause they would show like old footage. He's on the cover of ring magazine. He's in on the Muppet show. And I'm like, Oh, that, that had to be him from like two or three years ago. So that stuff. Yeah, is that, really that, was, that was his real, that was Sylvester Sloan's real Muppet show appearance to use. That, that, I thought that was cool. Oh yeah. Like uh, they just dubbed the, the Rocky name, uh, over it. Um, and then, uh, the, I guess, it, I guess it was from, Seven, from 79 so he did he was on the Muppet Show in 79 as Sylvester Stallone so that's where they took that stuff from and so um you know just uh just it just works very well and is so memorable and like you said at the top of this if you mention to people like what they remember about Rocky I would imagine that this is a scene that really speaks to a lot of folks when when they think about this movie or this series of movies yeah, I think you know it, it. Really, as I said, it 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 did two things. It 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 established a new rivalry, and you know it just gave them a, a, a chance for Rocky to transition from the underdog to you know, okay, now we're now we're looking at Rocky's story as the champion and what he's dealing with. You know, as as a successful fighter, you know, it has all who has all these uh, def- defenses under his belt. So the second one that I chose. Now again, this is a little bit uh, of a zig, uh, of a zag from our zigging in in the first two uh, podcasts that we did about this. But the entire scene with Hulk Hogan is so good because I think they're they're getting a few things across here. A Rocky has become such a big celebrity that doing things for charity, he's not just a boxer. He's actually uh, uh, someone who who is famous and and does real work and can actually get people to to uh, pay to, to you know for for good causes. They they compare him to um, they don't compare him, but there's a mention of Bob Hope, and that's what Bob Hope did because of it used his fame in that way. And the second thing is that they really. Uh, they didn't tell you that professional wrestling was necessarily fake, but Rocky was trying to work with Thunderlips going like, how about I'll do this and you do this. And Thunderlips was just like, no, the, I, I, this is not how it works. And which, which is kind of what, 
you know, what what would happen now, someone as famous as Rocky, maybe not, but you can imagine a celebrity coming into the pro wrestling world and going like, oh, I know how this works. We're going to do this and this and this. And it probably just takes uh, maybe a slap from the big show across the chest to go, just listen to me and shut up. And so I thought that was pretty good. And then, you know, Hogan, for all that he became, um, he really shines big on this screen. And I don't know if people back then predicted that out, out of this movie comes this, you know, this really step level up in his pro wrestling career. But man, like he, like he just, he just looks like a, a superstar in this, in, in, in this segment. And at the end, you know, he redeems himself as sort of like a nice guy and, and just, you know, that's the name of the game. And he has, he has personality, he has charisma. And I, th- I just thought, I just watched this back and going like, man, you can see why Hulk Hogan becomes the star he does just based off of this scene. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you liked this. I thought this was awesome as well, um, and it fits the story really well. Because initially, I was like, "Okay, how does this add add something to the story? Is this just kind of a weird distraction?" But you know, it does fit in because you know that's what Rocky's focused on. He's focused on this charity match with Thunderlips. Like he, that's what he's talking to Adrian about and Nick about. He's not talking about Clubber. He's his number one contender at all. So it, it does help advance that story. And yeah, I just thought, thought especially for re- a wrestling scene at that time, there was a huge chance this could have been horrible. And it ended up just being really, really good. And Hulk is doing some moves in there. He did all <laughs> kinds of sl- slams and suplexes and ju- judo throws and all kinds of things go- go- going on there. Um, you know, I think Hulk um, kind of like Duran um, said about tagging Stallone pretty hard when he got in the ring with him. I think Hulk pretty much said the same thing is that, you know, like he slammed the hell out of him and Tumps his back really hard, and you know he, he said that you know there was no complaints out of Stallone. He he he, he t- 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 took the beating and kept going. But uh, yeah, I I just thought that was really good. And another thing I I just found interesting watching it was um you know seeing you know after the the brawl breaks out, the crowd start you know throwing stuff at Hogan in the ring it's just kind of foreshadowing of the NWO angle oh yeah I didn't, <laughs> so, I didn't even think about that so many uh, years later but he, you know Hulk ever the worker you know he, he got in his big move he got, he got he got the big leg drop in on Rocky uh, you know he made, mentioned something about having the largest arms in the world so he, he was <laughs> bu- bu- building Hulkamania right there and then and what I was going to say to you is like this had to be inspired by Ali Anoki, right that's that's interesting because you know Stallone, like we said, he is a a student of of the game of the fight game, and I I guess um, I guess it would have to be though uh, you know the way that 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 fight was kind of built and the way that it ended was was much different than this, but yeah you know I, I it makes sense and, and you know there were other there were other. There were other stories back in the day, whether you know whether it was Luthez against you know whoever the boxer was at that time, where they were talking about you know what would happen. But it, but it literally you know the the storyline of of um, of Rocky Balboa, the the sixth movie, is what would happen in you know if you take a fighter from this era versus a fighter from the last era. But there was also and that that would always happen in boxing. But there was also sort of that's how mixed martial arts actually begins, which is what what if you took a boxer and uh, a kickboxer 
and a wrestler like like that's how that stuff began so yeah totally i I didn't think about that either but that's a that's a really good point does the commentator say something along the lines of you know conventional wisdom tells you that if the wrestler gets hold of them that's curtains or like you know something something along those lines which i thought was a bit surprising like you know given that this is back in 1982 and it's long before we have ufc or anything like that yeah no the, the, yeah there, there's a lot lots of really good stuff in that scene um the one thing i was going to say is i saw an interview from 82 stallone is i don't know if he's high in this thing but it's it's johnny carson he's he's just all over the place and he's just trying to be as charming and as intelligent and as funny as as possible and you know he, he can he can be really awkward in those kind of situations but he was talking about they were they were talking about Hogan like Johnny Carson was asking about you know the sky Hulk Hogan and Stallone does the overblown stuff oh yeah he's seven feet tall and three hundred fifty pounds um, but he does start giving off Hogan's dimensions he's like he his bicep is is twenty four inches around and Johnny Carson's like oh wow and then Stallone goes just by comparison my thigh is twenty one inches around and then Stallone starts going all of the the dimensions of uh, of uh, Hogan he's like oh around his shoulders it's 70 inches around his neck it's 23 inches and Johnny Carson kind of looks at him and go is just like why do you even know like why does this matter but I think the reason it matters is because Stallone is like a workout freak at this point and he's all about you know he's gonna he's gonna gain size for movies he's gonna drop size for movies but he's literally like training like a bodybuilder would train so this stuff is super interesting to him and it's funny to see in 1982 Johnny Carson's just like dude who cares like nobody cares about this stuff but there's another thing when they talk about Hogan they were asking about if he if he hurt Rocky or if he hurt Stallone at all and Stallone said you know, when he was taking the, he, I forgot what he called them. He didn't call them bumps. He called them something else, but he was saying that he would kind of leave his arm like dangling out. And so when they would do other stuff, like Hogan would step on it or fall on it or trip on it or something. And he was talking about how, you know, he, he would land on it and Rocky uh, Stallone was saying something like that, you know, and then my arm would be as flat as a postage stamp or whatever. So that's the only thing that he talked about when it came to the injuries um, but he 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 also we'll talk about this when we get to folks who were also auditioned for Clubber Lang that he did get get tagged in 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 other instances of 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 the the fight scenes and stuff. So um, I found an interesting what you're saying about Johnny Carson though. Um, I'm going to do something that I don't think we've ever done on this show before, which is uh, dig into the undisputed truth uh, that is Hulk Hogan's first autobiography. <laughs> um, but he mentions in that about getting booked for Carson after, yes. after, um, after exactly what you said that that um, Stallone couldn't or, or Carson couldn't shut up about him when he was talking to, with Stallone, Stallone, and everybody wanted to know about who this Hulk Hogan was, and that's how he kind of ended up on the show. And I always kind of thought that was Hulk, uh, just complete hot air but you know now, do you, now do you, the way you, you say that uh, that sounds like there was at least uh, a grain of truth in it well and, and and what's the interesting thing is is you know and this this is about um you know this is about johnny carson and his curiosity but if you think about it like he was one of the uh truth 
tellers uh, in in media back then because the Tonight Show was such a big deal. So if you got booked on the Tonight Show, you were a big deal. And so you know they're they're talking about um, Mr. T and Hogan, and the curiosity is definitely more about Hogan than it is about Mr. T, and it is all because of size. So you know the idea that wrestling and Vince McMahon, you know the size mattered. Yeah. Because when you had these giant freakish people, they stood out and people wowed about them. Now today it's, it's not as much because, you know, we see, uh, we see anything and everything thanks to the internet. But back then it was really like, wow, who's this giant man? And, and he made you and, uh, you know, look like, uh, look like a small person. And Stallone is, you know, Stallone's only 5'10", but he, and he was significantly smaller because uh, he did get shredded, uh, to, to, to say the least. Yeah, Hulk may, may have been double his size in this film. Yeah, I, 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 definitely as far as weight is concerned, for sure. Okay, so um, my next two scenes, and these, these are the last two that I have, uh, are both more on the sentimental side. And the first one is my favorite scene of the movie, which is after Rocky uh, is is upset. Mr. T uh, jams up the press conference, and Mick doesn't want to doesn't want to take the fight. He says, "If you're going to take this fight, you do it without me." Rocky hurries home. Mick lives with him at this point, by the way, um, in their gigantic mansion. And uh, Mickey is packing, and Rocky's like, "What are you doing?" And Mick's like, I'm taking a permanent vacation. And so they go in this back and forth about why Mickey does not want Rocky to take this fight with Clubber. And in this, Mickey explains that Rocky, he was protecting Rocky. And Rocky asks him if the fights were setups. And he said, no, they weren't setups, but you fought these guys at the perfect time, right when they were a little bit past what they could have been. You didn't fight them right when they were at their peak. And so Rocky is just internalizing all this information. And the scene's a little a, a little fake because it, in, any boxer kind of knows the strategy of fight making. But Rocky is coming to this realization that Mick protected him and that he may have been what exactly what clubber Lang calls him which is a paper champion and so they he 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 sits down and he talks to mick and he's like now that you told me this story how can i not take this fight i gotta prove to myself that i wasn't just this fake champion and that i that i that i actually did something for real and and mick agrees to to train him this the one last time he does it a little begrudgingly um and Rocky tells him, you know, I'll live in the gym. And Mick tells him, you know, you 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 haven't been the same. You haven't been the same person since that second Apollo fight. Like that person was just um, had the crazy chin. And was, I forgot the exactly what he called him, but basically saying that once he won the title, he lost the edge. And so to Rocky, he doesn't he he didn't really see any of this until Mick described it. And so now he has to find a way that that that's where his that's where some of his hunger comes back and sort of the the whole thing about the eye of the tiger. That's what he's searching for. Uh, but the way that they did that scene, I just thought so good. Um, 
one of the only two scenes where there's real, real acting in it. And, you know, it's not the best acting you've ever seen, but just to tell the story, I thought it was a really good scene. What are you talking about? We got one more fight. No, no, not we, you. Why are you doing this? I said, why are you doing this? Because you can't win, Rock. This guy will kill you to death inside of three rounds. You're crazy. What else is new? He's just another fighter. No, he ain't just another fighter. This guy is a wrecking machine, and he's hungry. Hell, you ain't been hungry since you won that belt. Oh, what are you talking about? I've had ten title defenses. That was easy. What do you mean, easy? They was handpicked. Setups? Ah, they were setups. They was good fighters, but they wasn't killers like this guy. He'll knock you into tomorrow, Rock. Yeah, and I kind of feel like the thing with Mick and that is that he's, you know... He's trying to talk Rocky out of this fight, but I think, you know, he always has the intention that if Rocky is going to do it, he's going to do it with him. You know, I think Rocky kind of calls his bluff on that. I just think Mick doesn't want him to do it, but I think he's, you know, he. I don't think he's going to leave Rocky out on his own. I think he's there to finish the sto- story with him, and that, that that's why he does uh, begrudgingly agree to, agree, agree to corner him for the fight. And, you know, it's something we do see in, in, in the sport a lot, and it's, you know... You know, especially when we see an underdog champion, you know, they finally climb the mountain. You know, they take one or two maybe softer fights or, or, you know, they don't go after the biggest, toughest guy uh, in the very next fight. And I'm always okay with that. Like, you know, there's a lot of people who get mad if, you know, when when it happens in the sport, you know, oh, he's not fighting the number one challenger or whatever straight away. I'm never mad about that because, like, you know, these guys, this is... I, I feel like, you know, this is the reward for, for, for that journey, you know. It, it, it's getting to be the champion and, you know, make those, like, both literally and figuratively, this is their payoff, you know. They get the opportunity to make uh, as much money as they did in their whole career in one or two fights. So, you know, you, you do have those, those um, as Mick would call them, hand-picked ones before, before yeah. you tr- throw them in, in, into the tough fight. And, you know, I think that made every sense for Rocky's character. He was a guy, you know, in the storyline, he's 34 years old, he's coming to the end of his career. You know, he didn't really, like, for the, the majority of his career, he was nothing of a star. And, you know, it's Mick's job to try and maximise his, his return turn in it when, when he has the belts. And uh, the lingo that Mick uses in this scene, you know, when I'm six years old or whatever watching it, I don't un- I don't really understand what he's talking about. I don't understand what handpicked means. I don't understand what setup setups mean. But as you know, as I learn more about boxing and then going back and watching this scene, it made so much more sense. And, you know, the entire idea of our, of our website, the fight game, like that's literally what the fight game is. And um, just uh, that was such an amazing part because I wanted to learn what all of those things were. And, and it's the, the business behind the, the actual sport that, that made me so intrigued. And they, they describe it very, very well just in this one scene. I, I really enjoyed it. And we talked about in the other, the, the, in the first two, two movies, they do it as well with Apollo, you know, much more master marketer in that first fight. And then the second fight, them wanting to keep Rocky away from Apollo just for fear, Duke's fear uh, of not messing with him again. And then you see it even more as, as Rocky from almost from Apollo's 
point of view, right? As the champion, this is now, he now understands all the things that Apollo had to do as champion that he was just the challenger didn't even have to worry about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, 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 I thought it was uh, an, an excellent scene. And, um, you know, I, I, I think, yeah, it, 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 what followed up as well is you, you did see everything that Mick was saying was true. You know, Rocky's training camp then was a circus. He wasn't focused on boxing at all. You know, he was he, was, he had like bands playing in the background and he had like, you know, photo opportunities and all these PR pure opportunities uh, you know just overrunning his camp and he wasn't at all focused in um, on, on the sport of boxing and then he, it flicks the clubber at the same time and he's got the no frills approach and you see he's focused and like it instantly said like sets a message in your mind in your mind that Rocky's in trouble going into this fight oh yeah oh yeah so the uh the fourth scene that I uh that I picked this is a little bit of a the Adrian character uh, has her ups and downs. I thought this was a, a high point for her. Um, you know, we mentioned in in the in the first podcast. You know, sometimes she's a bit of a jinx. Sometimes she in in Rocky Two, she's uh, she's so worried for him that it kind of holds him back a little bit. But in this movie. She is his rock. She is his support system. And she's kind of his mentor uh, in that Mick is his is his father figure. Mick dies. That leaves a void. Apollo comes in as a um a little bit of a coach or, or a trainer, but there's also this uh, still some tension between them because, you know, Apollo's career is over because Rocky beat him and, and he and so some of it is redemption on his side. So how does he get over the hump of all of the things that are going around in his in his head? He, he, he like I said, he doesn't believe in himself. Well, here comes his wife, who's basically like, look, we can survive without any of the things that that without all the things that you have that this this boxing career has created the money the cars the houses but what we can't survive on is not being real and not being truthful about why you're struggling right now and he is screaming and yelling at her and she's screaming and yelling back at him and he's given every single excuse in the book except for what his problem is and so she catches him and she goes just tell me the truth. And he admits that he is afraid of the fighter that he sees in the other side. And some of that is because he he also learned the reality of what Mick did for him. Mick was scared for him as well and put him in, in situations that he would succeed rather than scary situations where he might fail. And now he's in a super scary situation of possible failure. You're on the the mountaintop and you can always be back at the bottom again. And so that I thought that scene was it was great. It's maybe Adrian's best moment as a, a as a, a, a character from the standpoint of because um, she kind of gets lost in, 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 in these movies as they are way more about Rocky. Uh, she, this is this is her sort of scene stealing moment uh, in, right before the big fight. To me, this yeah, this is Adrian's best scene. It's very different Adrian that we've ever seen before, and you know, like he really goes at Rocky in this. And 
I think what I like about it is it's just her perception and her knowledge of him. Because even though she doesn't, she's not around the boxing world and she doesn't know the sport of boxing or like the sport of boxing at all, she kind of knows what makes him tick. And, you know, what she's saying is like, okay, it's okay to be afraid Like I, I, when she finally gets it out of him. But what she's, what she's also saying is, look, you ha- you're the one who has to live with this. Um when when you decide to call it a day, you have to live with this decision, and I have to live with you living with this decision. It's like, it's, you know, she's making the point that, like, you're not you're not somebody you'll give up this easily, and you know this is gonna haunt you. Like, he she knows that like if Rocky doesn't deal with this, you know, it's going it's it's gonna be something that hangs over him for the rest of his life. And I thought that was really good because it's it's some it's a story that's you know an overriding. Uh, team in this film and throughout the series Rocky has a difficult time letting go you see you at Apollo he has a difficult like he's still struggling with the fact that Rocky beat him right throughout the series like you know that that becomes one of the main teams is you know being haunted by uh, not being able to 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 let your career go and it's something that we've seen in the sport of boxing how many times we see older fighters who just you know they're li- living with past regrets, and you know Adrian didn't want R- R- Rocky to be like that. She wanted him to go 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 out I- I- in the way that he he could be satisfied and move on with his life. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, were there any other scenes that you really enjoyed? Okay, there's a couple. Uh, one of them is, uh, you know, where Rocky goes into Apollo's old gym, and all the fighters stop, and you know they're they're kind of looking at him like. Uh, what's the former champion do, doing in here? And like, you know, that's from Apollo kind of goes like, these guys have the eye of the tiger. This is what you're missing. Mm-hmm. The reason why I like that is just, it kind of gave me that feel of, you know, those classic boxing gyms, or, you know, where you have young hungry fighters. You think of something like, you know, when, when we, we talked about our other series, uh, we talked about, the, the Kronk gym in the 70s and 80s where, you know, they had all the young Olympic hopefuls in there tr- training and, you know, trying to, like, you know, you know, t- they were just about to live out their dreams. And, you know, that energy that they brought to it, like, you know, it would rub off on the veteran fighters, the Tommy Hearns and people like that. And I kind of just got the sense of that's what, you know, Apollo was trying to tap in by bringing Rocky to the gym. He's trying to get like that young energy you know, of, of these enthusiastic fighters who still got their whole career career ahead of him, ahead of him and get Rocky fighting like a young, young fighter again. It's like you even see it to this day, but like, you know, say... Robert McCracken, who trains um, the UK Olympians. He's also Anthony Joshua's coach. He was Carl Froch's coach. And both those guys always had the young fighters in camp with them because there's, you know, such an excitement about them. And, you know, that motivation rubs off. And I I like that as kind of a way to kind of relight the fire in Rocky. The, The scene is also foreshadowed. When the scene, as you described, the Rockies training camp for the first Clubber Lang fight is a circus. And Mick tells him, he's like, why are we here? Why can't we get back to the gym? Like, this is not what boxing training is like. Like, we need to get back to the old, dark, sweaty gym, you know. And so that that is a that was a nice little foreshadow to where Apollo eventually takes him and i suppose the other one that i really liked um was you know when rocky's struggling to deal with you know the defeat and the loss of mick and he goes back to mick's gym and the first time 
you hear Apollo in the background, you know, he, he, I don't know, he says something about, you know, Rocky not hitting the bag, right? You're like, who's that voice? And, you know, stepping out in the back of the room, it's Apollo. And he kind of, you're setting the scene of like, you know, the rivals turn friends and, you know, how Apollo is going to take on that mentor role. And the reason why I lo- love this one is just because I just imagine watching this in the cinema for the first time. And, you know, Apollo stepping in and you're like, oh, wow. I just feel like that would have been such a cool mo- moment to, to witness at the time. Absolutely. No. Yeah, that that's a good one. Do you know, is there any historical um, moment that they may have taken from? Like, I, I was trying to think of like, you know, rivals turned friends. Now that has happened before. But what what is the moment where you know the 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 rival actually becomes part of the camp to help the fighter you know overcome the next challenge? I don't know. Has that ever happened in boxing? Um, I've seen like I've seen it happen later years, like you know Matthew Macklin and Jamie Moore, who had like one of the great British title fights back in the day. You know, towards the end of Macklin's career, he started training with Jamie Moore as his his coach. Like, so there is kind of examples, but can't think of any back back then. I'm sure, sure there must have it must have been some back in those days too. All right, so let's move on to our favorite quotes. And like I said, the 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 dialogue in of itself isn't uh, super heavy, but there are, there are some fun one liners if you listen closely. And that's going to be most of what my favorite quotes are. And then, uh, so I'll I'll give my quotes and then I'll let you take it away. So uh, setting it up, Rocky bails Polly out of uh, jail. And um, Polly is basically, he's drunk. He's also very frustrated because Rocky is, uh, he he and Rocky were once the same person. uh, And and now Rocky is is on top of the world. And so if you remember in... um, in Rocky two, when he first win, you know, when he first gets his his first check and he's buying all the cars and all the jewelry and all the jackets and stuff, he buys Polly a watch. And so, call back to Rocky two. Polly's like, "What have you ever done for me? Oh, you gave me this lousy." And he doesn't call it a Rolex; he calls it an Xlax watch. He says, "You gave me a lousy Xlax watch," and then he throws it to the ground. After I realized, you know, as I'm growing up, I'm like, oh, he meant Rolex. Oh, and then X-Lack is something completely different. Now I get the joke when I was younger. I was like, what the heck is he even talking about? Well, I don't even understand this. But so, you know, though that's a little one-liner that I that I really enjoyed uh, re-watching it. Um, there's a moment in the Thunderlips uh, uh, charity match where uh, he's about to enter the ring and Polly again goes, why are they carrying him? And then Mick goes, he's walking. (laughs) Like, just to sort of set the scene for this monster figure that Rocky is going to have to battle. I I always love that line. Um, I also like at at that one as well, um, Mick's talking about like the size of him. And he says, like, it's like fighting a dinosaur. He says, do you ever fight a dinosaur? And Rocky says, no, not lately. <laughs> and I think Mick says they, they can cause a variety of damage. <laughs> yeah, the, the, those the, those lines when he kind of goes back to the Rocky 1, Rocky 2 character, I really do dig those. Um, so uh, this, this one's more serious. We already talked about the scene, but it's just when Mick tells Rocky kind of like, 
what happened to to him and rocky's thinking like something changed within him and mick's like no like the worst thing happened to you that could happen to any fighter you got civilized and the i just the I, that that word civilized the way that he uses that word it's always really stuck with me and hung with me um you know that that happens in in uh in in boxing all the time where you finally reach a certain level of success and then you kind of take your foot off the off the gas pedal because you you reached the mountaintop and now what's next so i always liked the way that mick used that word civilized there's a scene in the training with um with apollo and apollo is trying to uh give rocky some different tools to use and, and one of them is is to use swimming as a way to train and uh, apollo looks at paulie and he goes can he swim and paulie goes with a name like rock i was i was cracked up at that one um and then you know we bring in mr t like mr t stallone wrote the mr t the clubber lang character perfectly now Mr. T is not going to be this fantastic actor. He is not a trained actor like like Apollo or Creed. Boxer. Or a boxer. Or a trained boxer. But, you know, Apollo Creed is actually, he went to school for it, right? Like he was an athlete, but then he also took it on, took on acting as like his his his, his job. Mr. T's not like that. They they picked him. We'll we'll talk about him in a little bit. But they picked him out of a, a of a bouncer TV show, so he doesn't have a lot of acting experience. So he's very one tempoed, and the part of the way to write this character is that you just give him punchlines to and lines that that are very easy to say but very memorable hooky lines. And so there are two that that are are, are super memorable. Um, obviously, I pity the fool. That became a humongous line in the early 80s. Like that was a, a go-to line for everything. It was in the pop culture sphere from the second that that line came out of his mouth. No, I don't hate Balboa, but I pity the fool. And I will destroy any man who tries to take what I got. And the other one is when... They asked Mr. T for a prediction for the second fight, and he goes, prediction? And then he just goes, pain. And he just holds that end of that word. And again, very much becomes, uh, in, in the pop culture lexicon, everyone and their mom would say that. They would set their friends up to say that. And those two lines became just as big of, uh, of a thing for Mr. T as anything else he would do in his career. And there's two others I I, I like as well. One of them is when he's he, he, he's talking to reporter. He says, "I'm going to crucify a real bad." <laughs> and, and the other one is just I just like because you know it, it, it's it's and it's another thing that's resonated in pop culture. You hear it on a lot of um, songs and things like that. You hear the the the, the vocal samples, which is there. Uh, it's uh, they, they, they don't want me to have to toil because I'm not a puppet like that fool up there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so David, the two of the others, I I liked them. Um, another one, um, when Mickey and R Rocky are having that discussion about like you know the hand picks and that you know Rocky is can't beat this guy. Uh, you know Rocky's gonna try to tell Mick like you know I can I can I've beaten other guys I can beat this guy and 
Mix just like throws cold water on it completely. It's just like this guy will kill you to death inside of three rounds. Oh yeah, he'll knock you into tomorrow. Rock. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and the last one I was thinking of is just uh, another one of just the, the way Rocky's kind of quite charming. It's just like um, Apollo and Paulie are kind of going at each other a fair bit, and um, Apollo's kind of losing his patience with him. And Rocky just says, apologies, it takes about six years to get to know him. <laughs> you know, the, 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 what sets that scene up is actually a, a fair bit of racism. And, and we'll, we'll get to that when, when we talk about the pet peeves, because that is the one thing that hangs with me on this movie. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, OK, so the, the last one that I had was uh, when, when, when they're at, at the um, in the last fight, referees giving them both instructions and uh, Mr. T goes, I'm going to bust you up. And Rocky says, go for it. Go for it becomes the the uh, the the tagline for the fifth fight or the fifth movie. So they turn that in. They turn that into a song uh, and, and everything. So that 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 line, that line, that go for it line hung hung with uh, Rocky fans for a while, too. OK, so. Let's talk about, uh, you know, kind of the montages and, and the fights and the music. So we talked about Eye of the Tiger, and I'll drop this just in now, but I did a little bit of research because I was trying to figure out, like, how do you get from uh, Eye of the Tiger, which is an actual song played by a band that, uh, you know, was a little, I, I don't think people would consider it like like super rock kind of music, but it was it was that that music uh, that that sort of changed uh, it told you that Rocky 1 and Rocky 2 were this kind of movie and now we're kind of transitioning like that 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 song really sig- signifies that so uh so as the story goes originally I think I know where you're going with this this <laughs> blew my mind <laughs> so th- there's there's a few fun tidbits about this so originally the song that was going to be used in this montage or was actually created for this montage was a song by a guy by the name of Joe Esposito called You're the Best. And that song was not used in this movie. And then it was punted from Flashdance as well, which uses uh, Maniac for, for their scene. And it is finally used in the very first Karate Kid in that montage, that fight montage. You're the best, where he starts winning, where uh, Daniel Larusso starts winning fights. So that that song gets punted two different times and is iconic for that scene. But that was originally written for this movie. And I'm just assuming that Stallone just didn't feel that it that it fit necessarily. Did you hear anything about why? I didn't really hear about why. It just, it just, because it's such a big, iconic song, I was just, when I learned that, it really shocked me. And one of the things, like, to, to, to mention about that is, like, the person who was the director of Craddy Kid was Avelson. And, yeah, um, yeah so it, I think, like, obviously, the word got through, somehow filtered through to him, and he thought this song was awesome. And let's be honest, both of those songs rule. Like, they, yeah, either, one, either one is great. But I think it worked out the best, because I think I think Eye of the Tiger is great for Rocky, and I think uh, um, You're the Best is it's great for the Karate Kid. So, so Stallone is searching for the right song to open up the, this movie. And I'm not exactly sure how he reached out to the band Survivor, who, who does Eye of the Tiger. 
but they wanted um they wanted to know like okay like what wh- what what are we creating this song around like what is the scene so they get the first 10 minutes of the movie to, to this is where i'm gonna play this song and do you know what song was on this videotape in in, in the space of of eye the tiger another one bites the dust another one bites the dust which is amazing because that song would have worked really well too. Um, I mean, I'm I'm glad you know I the Tiger is is perfect, but that would have been another great song to put in this in in, in this uh, part of the movie too. So I mean, he had three. I don't know if you're the best necessarily would have worked here as well as it works in Karate Kid, but another one bites the dust would have been perfect for this scene too. I think. Um, and, and another thing about that is like. I heard Sloane say that like he heard the phrase Eye of the Tiger like sometime in the 70s. And it's just one of those things he banked in the back of his mind. Just go like, this is a winner of a phrase and I'm going to get it in at some point. And, you know, then whatever, 13, 14 years later, he f- found the use for, use for it. Um, I mean, that's brilliant, right? Like, yeah, to, it's amazing. To think, to think like that. Um you know that's why he's that's why he's good at 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 this stuff is because he had that kind of mindset to to think like that you know to think sort of just you know i think most people you get that first movie rocky and you're like okay like that's you know essentially that's enough um but he had the foresight to go okay we can do more and we can do more and this character is going to change and i'm i need to do this and and just like you know he 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 i think I think most people consider him to be more of a celebrity than a great actor, but he's, you know, he, he's a really savvy guy, and and I really I really like those stories about him. Some some of them, you know, like like I've said before, maybe a little bit overblown, and he pats himself on the back a little bit too much. But I think the reason he does is because, you know, he probably feels that he doesn't get enough credit for for doing the things that he did. Um, I think the other thing to say about Eye of the Tiger is as well, like. The Rocky series, outside of the first one, has only got two other Oscar nominations. One was for Creed and one was for uh, Eye of the Tiger. So yeah, it was, it was a great choice of song. Um, it was obviously a huge smash hit and it made the soundtrack big. And I think Frank Stallone got like three songs of that. So I'm sure mm-hmm. Frank, is, Frank is happy enough with his payday as a result as well. And uh, so uh, the Gonna Fly Now version that is actually in Rocky Two the um the beat underneath it is like a, a different it's like a i think they described it as like a disco-y kind of beat but it is definitely a different because there's been three different versions in the first three movies the original and then in rocky 2 there was a little bit different piece of the choir and then in this movie the under the underneath beat is is a little different, a little bit different tempoed because of the training scene is a lot different. So that you know that version of that song is not on this soundtrack. It's actually the original version of the song is on this soundtrack. So just a little 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 factoid there, but just a little bit more about um, about I the Tiger. So it was a uh, it was the number one on Billboard Top 100, Billboard Hot 100 for six consecutive weeks. It was the number two single of all 1982, only behind Olivia Newton-John's physical. And it spent 15 weeks in the top 10, the second longest run of 1982 behind Hurt So Good by uh, John Cougar Mellencamp. And it also prevented Hurt So Good 
by John Cougar from getting to number one. So it, it, it pushed uh, John Cougar to number two uh, on those charts. Um, and, and interestingly enough, the top 10 run is tied with Another One Bites the Dust, as well as Physical, as the longest run in the top 10 for a number one song during the entire 1980s. That was the power of that song and the power of that montage, really, because without that montage, I'm not sure that that song really picks up as much as much speed as it did. And one other thing, and you you, you can t- t- tell me what you know about this, is Hulk Hogan, as always said, he used Eye of the Tiger as a, mm-hmm. bef- before Real American. Uh, like, and I've never really seen footage of him coming down to Eye of the T- Tiger, but do you know? I assume that is that is true. And do you, do you, do you know anything about that? So Hogan had... I'm not exactly sure what he used in the AWA. He may have used Eye of the Tiger in the AWA, which is what it might be. But I know when he was in WWF early on, he used uh, Born in the USA. um, And he also used uh, what essentially became the Hulk's theme on the original wrestling album. I'm going to assume he also used Eye of the Tiger, but, you know, from when he came back to WWF was in late 83. So that song is probably not as popular as it was, but still it is very significant. I, I The thing that I don't know is if he also used it in AWA and in WWF uh, as far as, but I think I remember, I remember him having um, shirts, like when he would come to the ring before he had the, uh, the really stretchy shirt that he would pull. I think he had like a, like a t- like a cloth uh, cutoff shirt, and like he would have like little slogans on it. And I think I think he used to have like "Eye of the Tiger" across his chest too. All right, so let's talk about the um, the first fight. Now, these two fights are uh, the only fights in the uh, Rocky. Um, legacy actually through rocky so if, if we count the first six through rocky balboa these are the only two fights that rocky is in that don't go at least into the 15th round rocky one this he he loses the split decision rocky two he gets up right as apollo gets counted out in the 15th round in rocky four with uh with drago i think he knocks drago out in the 15th round and then in uh, Rocky Balboa, actually, so Rocky Balboa, they only go 12. So, so the, the, at least in, into, the, into the 12th round. And so th- these two fights, though, much different from what we saw. The first fight goes only into the second round, and the third fight ends in a, in a third round knockout. That is definitely a change of pace. But yeah, and both both very conclusive beatings, um, and al- al- also, um, you know, because they're they're short, we don't have what we had in the first two films and all the other films where we kind of it, it goes into a, a montage. We just have kind of the full the, the the fights shown in full, and I wonder kind of how much of this was working around Mister T's weaknesses. You know, we mm-hmm. kind of said he wasn't an actor, he wasn't a boxer, um, and I did hear. To kind of say that you know when they were practicing some of the fights, like T would just kind of throw whichever punches he 
he decided he wanted to, wanted to throw regardless of what they were calling <laughs> um, so I, I don't know if maybe like you know some of that was working around his inexperience but it also it played into that 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 that, 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 that story well that like you know that uh, that you know he was the inexperienced fighter and uh, you know he, he you know he wasn't a 15 round fighter he was there to try try blow, blow rocky out and then you know when you go when they come back run it back for the rematch and apollo's talking to duke he's kind of saying look this guy's too big and too powerful we're not going to be able to hold them off for 15 rounds it's too long we have to get to him early yeah two different strategies completely right mm-hmm um, okay, so the first fight, we already talked about it uh, a little bit, where Rocky just comes out swinging. He doesn't know what to do without Mickey there. He completely ignores Mickey's uh, advice, and he goes out there and slugs. And the parallel to Rocky and Clubber is that they're both kind of like street fighters. Like, they, they, they are not your Apollo Creed sweet science boxers, they go out there and slug, not a lot of defense at all, not making, you know, not making anybody really miss, which then plays into the second fight about what Apollo wants to teach Rocky. And, um, you know, I just, uh, not, uh, not, not like Mr. T doesn't even come across really as a boxer as much as he does, just a street fighter in a sense because you see the way that he wings punches they're all super wide he doesn't really ever come over the top with anything uh and it's just all hooks and these long swings uh, is his style and uh and in the second fight the whole the whole build up the whole training piece is to exploit that part of his game and and for rocky to actually turn into a boxer instead of just the slugger um, what did you, uh, the, these, these aren't really great fights in the, in the sense, but by the time, uh, the, the second fight comes along, Rocky instills his own strategy, which is the rope-a-dope. And I didn't realize that he was actually using the rope-a-dope until I realized that's, that's how Ali beat Foreman. And then when I go back and watch, I go, oh, that's what Rocky was doing in this fight, he was letting Mr. T wear himself out in that third round and comes back and knocks him out. So when we talk about influences in, in the fight, this is very much the influence for the second fight. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the ones that kind of, it's one of my pet peeves a little bit is that, like, I do like the story of Rocky wearing about. Um, just kind of the thing of Rofadope is a little bit like you don't take too much damage and Rocky's like taking in some of these shots like flat in the, f- in the face in, in that in that turn into second and third round um, he, he gets knocked down a couple of t- times uh, you know then at the end like you know he's making he's showing the, the new skills Apollo taught, taught him and he's making team miss and he's, he's punishing him which is kind of a much uh, b- b- better version of that strategy than uh, just taking like full blooded shots from a guy who's like twice your size yeah what did you think about the actual uh training montage done on, on the beach and built around uh, a race between rocky and apollo once once adrian um a- a- adrian gets through to him about to sort of face your fear then it turns him around as a fighter and, and as someone who's training to now take this new style of training seriously to get your head in the game. And this 
you know, the, the way that Apollo trains him is, is much different than the way that Mickey trained him. And the montage is different. Like I said, the gonna fly now has a little bit of a different beat to sort of set the tempo because they are on the beach. They are in L.A., uh, different from being in Philadelphia. But what did you think about that that whole montage? Yeah, like I liked it again as a change of pace because like, you know, the montages we've seen and it's the day and the ones that would follow this are all kind of they're very focused on building power, these strength, like crazy strength exercises. This one was much more about uh, refining Rocky as a, a skilled boxer and a qu- quick guy and, you know, uh, like giving him the skills to beat Mr. T. And I liked that. And I also liked, I, I also liked the fact that, um, you know, that this, this kind of continued on that team that we saw in the last one where, they teach Rocky, like they, they teach an old dog new tricks. They they teach Rocky how to fight a different style again. Like last time he had the thing where he was he, he was moving away from the southpaw and fighting fighting right handed. This time, you know, he stopped being a slugger and he's starting to be uh, more more of a boxer. You know, he's 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 bu- building uh, n- new facets even uh, to, to to his boxing repertoire even late in his career. All right, so I'm gonna switch one thing up. We had been doing the sort of like the questions where where I kind of ask you uh, about certain things that I'm thinking of when I'm watching this fight. And then we do the facts or the the research that we did after, but I wanna switch that and, and do the the sort of the research before because then I think it'll 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 make the questions that I have uh, sound a little bit uh, make make a little bit more sense. But just to get through these now, they're they're not sort of hot and heavy. They're more just uh, tidbits of factoids, as you will. Um, so there is in the scene in 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 the first in his first training camp where he is he is putting in in some work and then. Uh, then a woman comes to kiss him on the cheek. Uh, that is his real life wife at the time, Sasha. So she gets a little bit of a cameo in the movie. And uh, they are very soon to divorce after this movie, I think. Like, I, I don't remember exactly how much longer they had been married, but they, they were like, they were really close to, to, being, uh, to being done already when, when this movie comes out. Um, do you know what Clubber Lang's real first name is? I do not. James. James Clubber Lang. Uh, and do you know what Mr. T's real name is? I've seen it and I've heard it, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. I actually, I should say his birth name because he actually got his name changed when he was 18 to Mr. T. Uh, and uh, his name was Lawrence Turiad. I don't know if I'm exactly pronouncing Turiad, his last name correctly, but part of the reason why he uh, he wanted to be called Mr. T is because then nobody could uh, disrespect him if you're going to talk to him, because I think, you know, he was saying that, you know, as he was growing up, it was boy this and boy that. So he wanted it. He wanted to be treated with some respect. So he changed his name to make sure of that. Uh, also. He, uh, we mentioned uh, he was on America's Toughest Bouncer. Uh, that's how the casting director saw him. Stallone was looking for the right fit. She saw him on this show where he was throwing people out of out of uh, like like uh, like a bouncer would throw someone out of a bar. He was like tossing people out, and uh, she she saw him. Also, uh, he was a bodyguard for Leon Spinks uh, for Muhammad Ali and for Sugar Ray Leonard. So he was uh, he was in the boxing game as a bodyguard. And he said that the first time he met Sylvester Stallone 
was I believe it was the fight with Ali where Leon Spinks, uh, the, the Spinks-Ali fight. And so I don't remember if it was af- after which one. One of the two, I guess he was the bodyguard for Leon. And Stallone came in to, uh, to congratulate Leon, I guess. So that's when he said he first met Stallone. Uh, so the, uh, there is, we, we meet the second Rocky Jr., there were five Rocky Juniors in all of the first six films. Um, this is the second one. We, we mentioned that the first one was actually Stallone's uh, original son, his, his first son, um, Sergio. And this, uh, and so this is the second Rocky. Well, we'll see another one in Rocky Four, And then all of a sudden, Stallone's other son, Sage, Ages like five years in in in, in a few minutes for for Rocky Five. Uh, so Stallone, we mentioned, he says he lost thirty pounds in ten months while reshaping his body, getting down to one fifty five. I don't know how true this is, but supposedly he would wake up, he would go on a two mile run, then he would do two hours of weight training, then he would do sparring, and then he would finish off his evening with uh, swimming. Uh, and then they tried to explain his diet as um, 10 egg whites and something else. But I'm like, piece of toast. I think. Yeah. yeah. Th- th- there's no way like he would die. There was like there was no way that that could be the only food that he was getting. So I don't I don't really believe that. But um, uh, but that is a way to shred 30 pounds for sure. Uh, so now let's talk about Hulk Hogan. So Hogan uh, gets the uh, invitation to do the movie, and he wants to do it. He's currently working for Vince McMahon Sr. Vince McMahon Sr. does not want him to do the movie. He, you know, this is kind of part part of the deal with with wrestling is they don't want the wrestlers to uh, get too big because they may leave the wrestling business. And so Vince was like, "Nope, you can't do it. You got to keep keep wrestling." And Hogan's like, "All right, I quit." So he does the movie, and then he goes to the AWA, and then thanks to the movie, he is an even bigger star. And by the time Vince McMahon Jr. takes over the WWF, he calls Hogan to be his guy. And this is the you know this is the way, what we see from WWE today actually begins when Hogan comes back to the WWF uh, and his celebrity is due in part to his role in this movie. And how much of that, of this movie do you think was important in setting the ball rolling for uh, WrestleMania 1? Because obviously, you know, two of the main features of that are Mr. T and Hulk Hogan. And, you know, what put both of them in the spotlight is this film. You know, obviously... T would have had, I think, would have had the A team at that stage. So it was probably kind of more what they played up his role in. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, you know, without this, we would have never got there. So what, what actually is interesting, and I was just about to, to talk about WrestleMania, is Hogan from Rocky gets a, gets a certain amount of celebrity. But because he is in pro wrestling... That certain amount of celebrity, there's a ceiling to it. Mr. T from this movie, he goes into television. And the ceiling in television is much higher than it is in pro wrestling. So you could say in their collective 
sports or arts, Hogan is a much bigger star to wrestling than Mr. T is to television. But the ceiling is so much bigger that Mr. T is actually the one that helps popularize pro wrestling, even though Hogan, as big as he was, he was still not bigger to the public than Mr. T was for WrestleMania. So that's a really interesting kind of way to think about how that happened. Um, because we are, you know, today, if you, if you, if you ask someone, um, you know, on the street corner or in a, in a, um, in a bar, you know, Hulk Hogan or Mr. T, I, they're probably equal. Hogan maybe even be above that from a celebrity standpoint because of just the longevity of his career. But at this time, it was Hogan who was actually lower on the totem pole than uh, Mr. T. Yeah, and you really have to respect the foresight of Stallone with that casting as well, like of Mr. T. You know, as we said, you know, they got a guy who was virtually unknown, just had the right look, had the right charisma for the role, and it really worked. You know, I don't know how well this would work. Like, I don't imagine a Mr. T-type T character as the opponent in Creed. Like, I don't, I think this is very of its time, Yeah. but he was the perfect guy for it. You know, he spoke, he delivered the lines perfectly. He just had the look, he had the charisma. Uh, he, he was the absolutely the right guy to make this into a monster hit. Absolutely. Um, okay, so we learn Mickey's last name is Goldmill, and it's at his funeral. He is Jewish. That is uh, something that was, I think, surprising to some folks because they just thought that he was like just this Irish Catholic person um, in the first two films. And we talked about that in our first podcast where, uh, you know, Harvey Keitel was the uh, the original character for Pauly. Um, and so they were really going this route of, of, of an Irish uh, Irish setting uh, for for the individuals. Um the uh, we mentioned Frank already. Frank is also uh, in this film as a boxer in the montage. So Frank gets to play a couple different roles. He's on the soundtrack. He's in the film as a boxer. He's also uh, does some stunt double stuff for Sly, but sort of uh, famously, uh, Sly wanted him to. Uh, Sly wanted him, or no, he wanted to be the one to take. Hogan's press slam into the crowd in the Thunderlips segment, and Stallone was like, "No, no, no! Let's actually get someone who knows how to take that fall. I don't, I don't want you to get hurt." Uh, there's a rumor that I hadn't really heard until recently that Morgan Freeman, I heard this as well, auditioned for the trainer role uh, for Mr. T's trainer, I uh, for Clubber Lang's trainer. I had never heard this until just recently. Yes, yeah, same as myself, and it's an odd one, but at the same time, like. Morgan Freeman at that like the the idea was that he was passed over and you know at that time Morgan Freeman was completely unknown it wouldn't be still for another five or six years probably until no, no, Morgan uh, started to break through. So this is from the website Total Rocky. Uh, this is the first movie in which Rocky is seen wearing his famous gold boxing glove necklace. They later used it in a storyline in Rocky Five that the tiny boxing glove was actually one of Rocky Marciano's cufflinks. So this is the first time that we see it. Um, and then just to go quickly over the box office. So you have, uh, we mentioned the original Rocky made um, $225 million worldwide. The second one made just over 200 This one takes it to another level 
uh, goes to 270 million worldwide, and it is the second highest grossing film worldwide. The budget is uh, much less than um, than Rocky Four. But uh, but Rocky Four is still kind of the king of of uh, of the worldwide grosses. But yeah, Rocky Three very very uh, very good as far as uh, making money. One hundred and twenty five thousand in North America alone. All right, so let's talk about the questions that I have for you now. So, the beginning of the film, Rocky bails Polly out of jail. At the end of this, Polly wants to fight Rocky, and as he tires out, because Rocky avoids all of his punches, he goes, can I have a job? Did you assume when you were watching this that because of how he was on the team, you know, he was a part of the camp for Rocky II, that he just was sort of already there? Like, they didn't really tell us that, you know, there was some distance there. I just assumed that Polly would have been a part of the team already. Yeah, I kind of thought that too. Um, you know, I don't know, may- maybe Polly had still been off, you know, Rocky ho- hooked him up with, you know, his old, old boss and the last one. Maybe that was still the line of work Polly was in. Um, but yeah, this seems to be kind of the turning point for, in in these films for Rocky and Polly's relationship because it is up until this point very, very contentious. And it seems like, when they kind of have this blow up, they get everything out of their system and they they kind of move forward together a little bit after this. There's, I think, you know, there's kind of, there's kind of, you know, whatever needed to be said, the air was cleared and, you know, then, then they were able to kind of get on as part of a team after this. Do you think that Clubber Lang would have fought on either... Apollo Creed or Rocky's undercard. I always I love thinking about stuff like this because, how, you know, you, you uh, who were the who was his promoter? Like we don't really see a promoter. We don't even see see who Rocky's promoter is. We just assume Mickey is the one. But I just in in this in this uh, universe, this fictional universe, I have to imagine that Apollo or Rocky sort of saw him in the dressing room when he's like a young and up and comer and, uh, and that he just had to be a part of one of their fights at some point. Is that why he's in, in the crowd watching Rocky's fights? Was he, was he on the undercard earlier? Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. And, and then he just gets dressed up in his uh, tuxedo after. Um, I guess the, the other, the other thing I, I wondered is like, you know, T is giving Apollo grief from the first time he sees him in this right to the last time he sees him in, in this film. It's almost like they're building up a T and Apollo fight. Oh, yeah, Were you kind of surprised uh, that, that, that that never paid off? The end of well, this, this is my next question, which is who would win between the two of them if they if they fought? Um, I think Apollo has the strategy down. You know, he was able to train Rocky to beat him and, you know, Apollo is the natural boxer. He's the natural skilled boxer. So you'd think that, you know, if he could hold up against, against T, even though he's getting a little bit older, you'd think he, he, he would take it. And then sort of uh, related to that is after Lang loses this fight, by the time Rocky Four happens, uh, Rocky is still the champion. So, you know, Lang did not get the third fight, which you would have thought 
that there would have been a third fight between the two of them to break the tie. As as far as we know, that that never happened. But you know, what where does a, a clubber Lang go? You know, they've tied a lot of the the um, the threads together with Drago as in 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 the second Creed. You know, obviously Apollo Creed w- w- with Creed as well. But Clubber Lang and Tommy the Duke Morrison uh, are just the fear. They just go away. Well, Tom, Tommy the Duke Morrison, you know, he 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 has his own struggles in real life. Uh, but yeah, mis, you know, Mister, I think you know, you know what I'm going to put it on is Mister T's horrendous uh, boxing match with Rowdy Roddy Piper at WrestleMania two, where he was so exposed, <laughs> like never again could you take him seriously as anybody who could fight uh, after that one. <laughs> Maybe did he, did he, did they redo that? I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure on this, but they redo that in WCW years and years later. Like have T and Piper box again? Or something. Oh, good. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I I know that you know T did did go back there to uh, to be with uh, Hogan in in uh, he was the referee in in Hogan and Flair uh, at in at Halloween Havoc '94. Like they did bring him back for that, but I don't remember anything else after that. I can't, I can't remember. I just have kind of some vague memory of that. But I, it may have been Piper with somebody else in, in a boxing match. But I remember real, real horrible, like, you know, mid 90s uh, wrestling boxing match in WCW. Okay, so we talked about Hogan uh, as Thunderlips against Rocky. There is a bit of a breakdown in the match where it turns into a little bit of a shoot. And Rocky pulls out uh, what we may call a bully choke. It's not necessarily a rear naked choke, but it's like a it's like a bully choke. And he's squeezing and squeezing and squeezing. And you already mentioned some of the some of the throws that Hogan uses. This you know this this may get credit for like uh, one of the first mixed yeah, martial but- arts fights. <laughs> <laughs> it, it may, and, and okay and, and again we'll go back to Hulk's book but as far as as far as Hulk's telling of this story is um, you know he pretty much sent the, the fight choreographer away and booked this booked out this match and, you know the fight choreographer was overly complicating things and you know Hulk put this together this whole fight so you can take that with a pinch of salt but I don't know maybe, maybe that's that's the case he, he saw it coming he saw the Gracies <laughs> coming and he's like I, I want to get in on this um, okay so he, here's a hypothetical for you uh, Mick is uh, in this situation Mick does not get hurt and he goes out in the fight with Clubber, and he gives he has the game plan with Rocky. Rocky is not all messed up from from him getting getting hurt. How does does this change the first fight in any way? Does Rocky do better? Does he win? Is he still overlooking this guy? Like how how does how does that make the fight different? Well, Rocky was a hundred percent overlooking him, but you know I think at least he would have fought this. The strategy, uh, if Mick was there, you know, he went out and fought angry. He had Polly in his corner. I think, like, Polly's advice going, going into ring was, like, just go out and kill him or something like that. Like, uh, it probably wasn't the best setup. And obviously, he, is, he was, he was just, his mind was elsewhere with, with Mick falling ill. So, I think, you know, I think Rocky would have fought more to strategy. 
you know, I don't think his heart was a hundred percent in it. So I don't know. That, I don't know that he would have won the fight regardless. Yeah, he pro- he probably does a little bit better, but the ending probably remains the same. I agree. Um, should Clipper Lang have been charged for mixed death? I I was thinking about that one too, and yeah, you've you gotta say he's at least some way accountable there. Yeah, he, he's. I mean, you know, we mentioned that they foreshadowed a little bit where where Mickey is trying to catch his breath uh, after he after the melee with Thunder Lips, but in this film, like he literally gets pushed by uh, Clubber Lang and and bangs his back against something. Um, so you know, but Clubber Lang is never blamed here, and I, and I think he should have been at least he should have at least uh apologized or something but they they don't reference it at all um so when rocky comes to the back uh the doctor tells him he's like hey man um we really need to get him to the hospital like it's an urgent urgent thing and rocky's like okay and then sits with them for like seven minutes like what? like are we not worried about mick like why don't we rush to get this poor guy to the hospital or why did we have to wait until rocky got back to the locker room to rush this poor man who is dying to the hospital yeah that was the, it was more the latter than i was wondering about this is like yeah why was it, like vic is just kind of like lying on the on the table or whatever uh, with Adrian looking over him for like the whole time that fight on. it's like why is somebody not attending to this yeah that that one that one bothers me a lot um okay so this one is not really even a question but at the funeral the funeral is literally Rocky Adrian and the other trainer um so I I, I guess we're to assume that Mick didn't have family at all um the uh while while apollo is is training rocky and he's giving him drills and he's trying to get him on a rhythm and he's trying to utilize you know parts of things that that rocky's not good at the one thing that he should have been really good at is bouncing that rubber ball because in rocky one and rocky two that's all he does is just throw this rubber ball on the ground and catch it and they actually build a drill so that he can utilize that skill and he's like not really good at it i didn't i didn't understand that one he's out of practice too much too much time working on advertising and (laughs) things like that he hasn't been bouncing the ball okay now this this one is more of a pet peeve than anything, but I, I, I wanted to ask you what your thoughts were, so I, I added it to the questions. But at the end race, when they're when they're running, do you believe Apollo lets up so that Rocky can win the race? I'd never thought that before, but you know that would make sense. And you know Apollo wants him to go in. It like Apollo knows that he's struggling with confidence, and you know it, his his performance is coming up and up and up. And so maybe yeah, just to give him that that extra little bit of a nudge, he does ease up and let him over the line. And but the the thing that bothers me about that is it's exactly the same thing Mickey did with him that he like came to realize later and if apollo's doing the same thing how come he is not super skeptical about it i guess he's just like 
I, I just need to stop doing this or else if I don't win, he's going to keep making me run these, you know, 800 meter <laughs> dashes or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that, I, I do feel because uh, there's, a, there's a moment where Apollo like kind of looks over and he sees Rocky's hanging in there and then his strides get a little shorter. So I think I did think he let him win. OK, last last question for you before we get to the pet peeves um, and then the MVP. But what happens in the Creed Balboa three fight that happens in the, in the gym as a, as a sparring session. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. And that's, oh, like, that's kind of, ha- that kind of transitions into pet peeves a little bit because even though I'm not mad about it, but like, I always want to know what happened there. Um, it, it's what I think. I feel like Sly should write a biography of Rocky you know, to close out the story, and Rocky tells us what actually happened. Well, in uh, in the first Creed, Adonis asks him about the the secret fight, and Rocky's like, "How do you know about that?" And he's like, "I I, I heard Apollo. I heard, I heard Apollo won. Is that true?" And Rocky looks at him. He's like, "Yeah, he won." So whatever happened, <laughs> uh, I I always just assumed that they both knocked each other out off of that first blow. Yeah, they, they, they were about winging in that shot. Okay, so now um, my. Okay, but, but, but actually, before we move on to that, this, this is this is like there's two th- there's two questions that actually. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah d- directly come from that that I want to ask you. Okay, the first one is you know when they're going in, when they're going to the to ring for the the club or the second club or fight, the commentators making out are saying you know Rocky win lose or draw. You know, this, this, this talk, this will be his last fight. And we talked about before, last time, that, you know, Stallone had talked about there only being three Rockies. Was that set up to be, you know, this, like, it, like foreshadowing for this is the book closer. There is no more story coming after this. That's the first part of the question. And the second part of the question was, was the ending to this whole entire series going to be that that scene, that that, that gym scene with him and him and Apollo? So I think the I think the answer to both is yes. But when the third movie makes so much more money, you would be silly to just go, okay, like it's over. We're not going to do this anymore. And you know, for Stallone, he would be silly to do that, right? And, and, and to answer your first question, the reason why I say yes is because the killing off of Mickey has more has way more meaning if the movie ends at number three. <clears throat> In number four, they got to repeat the whole thing over again using a different character, and they continue to do that throughout the series. So if if I, I think they I think he thought, okay, we need this really powerful thing. We're gonna we're gonna you know kill off Mick, and that's gonna be the redemption, because by the time the fourth movie comes, the fourth movie is so over the top when it comes to the story that you know that he couldn't have he couldn't have logically thought that that was the next step when he was writing Rocky Three. I don't think. If he had, do you think he would have would have would have ever? Killed off Mickey at, at in Rocky Three. Do, do you think if he if he knew there was more more story to come, do you think he would have kept Mickey around? So because obviously a- Mickey does Mickey does have a role, like you know, throughout the rest of the series as kind of you know an inspiration to yeah, Rocky. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that that's a that's a hard one because 
of what we talked about in the second one that we did where he um you know he he had the three films and he he had the story for the third one after the second film was done here's going to be the story the manager dies and 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 his you know his his rivals the one who comes and helps him helps him win so he had that now if he knew that there was a fourth movie does he maybe delay Mickey dying to the fourth one and maybe there's something else relating Apollo or maybe Apollo's not even in the third one and you kind of push that I think you you probably can get you can probably get uh maybe two movies out of uh out of the 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 Clubber Lang thing much like you did with uh the two Rockies though I don't know how you would exactly do it um and then you know that that just changes the whole thing because if Rocky Three isn't the end all be all, and Clubber Lang's got to be in a fourth movie, then he may not be in WrestleMania, and all all this kind of crazy stuff happens. But yeah, like I I think I think if you wanted to end it, you would end it with the with Mickey dying as being the jump off point for his inspiration because it just means so much to the film if that's the, if that's how he overcomes. Okay, so now on to the pet peeves. Um, I mentioned it already. The racism bothers me. I don't know if you caught this, but in the melee, Mickey calls Clubber Lang an ape. And I didn't... I, did, I actually didn't even hear that. So I, 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 I had to rewind it back. And then I was like, gosh, it sort of sounds like that. And so then I looked up the dialogue for this movie and it is in there, and it he calls, he says something like, get that ape back in the dressing room, or something like that. So that line, after I heard that, I was like, oh gosh, that that's frustrating. Um, and then Paulie, his character, is very racist when they go to LA and they go to train. Like he has comments about not only the sort of the, the area that the gym is in. Cause he's so, and, and it's not like he's even used to this like high class stuff. Cause we just, we just went over the fact that, you know, he is not living from the, uh, from the Balboa household or anything. Um, but then he mentions, I don't, I don't like these people. And Rocky goes, well, maybe they don't like you either. And he goes, well, what did I do to them? Right? Like, that's like the, it's kind of a funny line, but there is racism involved in that line. And when, and when he talks to Apollo, he's like, you know, you can't train him like a colored fighter. So there's some stuff in there that does not age well for, uh, for today from, from this movie that it just, it's just, it, it bothered me more than it did when I watched it when I was younger, obviously. Yeah, I think, you know, probably what they were going for at that time is showing Paulie to be quite a small-minded, judgmental character who is, you know, made up his, his mind about people before he's got to know them. And, you know, throughout, as, the, as the story goes on, you know, him and Apollo start to form a bond. And so maybe the lesson in that is just kind of about getting, to, you know, you have to get to know know, know people and give them a ch chance. You know what I mean? I think that's probably what the story they were they were going for at the time. Uh, as you said, you know, these type of things don't, 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 don't age well. So the other pet peeve, this is a really small one by comparison. Um, in, in, in the same melee where, where Mick calls, uh, Clubber Lang the name, 
they uh, are. It looks like they're going to the ring. Is that where you, what you assumed that they were doing? Yeah, I, I assumed that they were just uh, just ahead of ring walks. Okay, so how come their gloves aren't on? I didn't spot that. Yeah, because um, so the you know Rocky has his hands taped and 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 they're like, okay, you know, it's 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 time it's time to go, but he doesn't have his gloves on, and I noticed neither did. Clubber Lang, as they're walking, Clubber Lang's a little bit in front of him. As they're walking, neither of them has their gloves on. And I was wondering, were they going to put the gloves on like right when they got in the ring? I, I was kind of wondering, like, what is the uh, from all the boxing that I've seen, all that stuff happens in the dressing room before you walk out. But I didn't know if like maybe there was a time where the gloves got put on maybe right before ring walk or something. I don't know. I didn't I didn't really know what that whole process was like. Okay, so the last one, um, no, two more. I have two more. So in the scene where Rocky is frustrated and he's looking at himself in the mirror and he is uh, having um, memories of getting beat up by Clubber Lang, there is a punch that actually doesn't happen until the fight that is yet to become that is in that small montage they don't show his um they don't show rocky's tights to to show that that is like it only show him from the body up but it's a slow motion shot where clubber lang is hooking right uh, to his back like to the ribs the side of the ribs and that scene um is the exact same scene that will happen in the fight that is up to come uh, that is yet to come that has always bothered me, and I spotted that when I was a child, and it has always bothered me today. Do you? Did you notice that one? Um, I, I, I think I did. And uh, you know, maybe Rocky see it into the future. <laughs> yes. Okay. And the last one, I think this is this is the noticeable one when you watch these movies close together. Um, his eyes fine, I guess. Did he get like LASIK surgery? Did he get like? Um, the same surgery that Sugar Ray got that allowed him to, to, to fight again correctly. Like I, He must have got some ridiculous surgery that didn't exist in the first two films because no mention of his right eye. He looks fantastic. He could see all these punches He's had 10 coming. fights. He has had 10 fights. Uh, so, yeah, that, that is the one thing that stands out is uh, I guess when you, when you have the money, like a lot of your injuries disappear as well. Yeah, I guess for me the ones the one I already man- mentioned about is Rocky's rope a dope tactic of just like <laughs> taking shots. Uh, another one which I don't really know if this is a gripe or not, but like d- the wrestling match is it a work or a shoot? Is it <laughs> like it, like it feels like everybody's on a different page as to whether like Rocky seems to think it's definitely a work. Mick seems to think it's a shoot. So. What is it like? like well, Thunder, you, you, maybe Thunderlips is going into business for himself, right? If he if he knocks out the uh, the heavyweight champion of the world, he he becomes a little bit of a bigger star. That that, that could be it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, okay, uh, did you have another one? Yeah, one other one. It's like the Eye of the Tiger montage. It's at the time. It's at the start of the film. Precisely when Rocky does not have the eye of the tiger, <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of a lot more. It would be a lot more fitting for like you know for, at the use it at the end. Or 
it's like Clubber Lang training. is the one with the eye of the tiger, right? Like that's well, maybe, what they're actually showing. Yeah, maybe that is it. Yeah. Um, and so somebody, I read something where somebody had had uh, somebody's analysis of the movie. They had never seen it before, but they saw actually they saw Clubber Lang as the baby face because he's the one that had the eye of the tiger before before Rocky did. So that 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 was interesting. Maybe if you'd never seen the first two films, you could possibly see that or you didn't know anything about the movie maybe you could have seen it that way okay so now we are down to the mvp of this film i um, am actually picking someone who you picked as the mvp of the second film and we're gonna trade on this <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah i i think we're gonna trade exactly um i'm picking mick he is not in this movie for very long. He's only in it for like the first 40 minutes or something. But his scenes are so impactful and the movie is built around him having so much influence into the to the Rocky character that even though he's not on the screen, he's literally still there. Uh, and, you know, they're trying to recapture his spirit or, or it's just it just kind of lingers. He's just lingering. And then my second MVP, maybe the person who you're talking about, but Adrian's speech is really the the whole impetus for the comeback. And and um, her character isn't uh, very annoying at all. Like she's just really supportive. She's the wife of a of a famous celebrity, but when push comes to shove, she is really the. Um, the heart of uh, of the of the last uh, half of the of the first of of the, of the film. Okay, I, I, my yeah, uh, like my my runner up would be Adrian. Like this is my favorite performance for her in any of the films. But my winner, my winner on this one is Apollo. Okay, um, I, I could I think Apollo was your, your choice the last time. Yeah, like that was mine for Rocky too. Um, and I think. The reason why I say that is like in Rocky 2 why I chose Mick is I think like it was the Mickey and Rocky scenes that were kind of the heart and soul of that film. I think at th- this time it was those interactions between Apollo and and Rocky that that, that made it. It was you know uh, Carl Carl Weathers performance uh, you know in 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 switching from what he had been is is the antagonist you know who who was never really the bad guy and he you know he he was always playing the bad guy to being kind of the, the, the you know Rocky's mentor and you know somebody you really want to root for in this one I think they did a perfect job at it and I just think like the Apollo character had the charm to be able to do that turnaround in the space of one film and make it believable and just you know be the, be the person that Rocky could lean on for for that sage wisdom when you know he he didn't have there anymore no that's a great point and this is carl weathers's favorite film because he feels like the apollo creed character is he is like so much so much more human in this film than than he was in the others i thought that was an interesting uh comment because he isn't the uh focal point uh, and, and in the first two films, he's he's a bit of the focal point. He he is much more of a supporting character in this third film. But he found that he he enjoyed this version of Apollo Creed the best. All right, um, I think we have wrapped this one up, and and so we will be back for for Rocky Four, which is the 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 version of of Rocky that I call the uh, music video 
because there's like three or four video packages with music in this movie. Uh, they're all great, by the way, uh, and uh, and I love them. But it is it is not a movie for uh, for for acting or for specific scenes. It is very much a movie to. Uh, to play off of how music works. And, and look, we're talking about the MTV generation, which is probably a big, a big point of why it's like this. But so, uh, we will be back for, um, for Rocky four. Thank you for listening.